The scripture this morning is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And I'll give you a minute to find that, but if you could stand for the reading of God's word. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he named him Jesus, the word of the Lord. Before I um, get into the message this morning, I just want on behalf of Julie and I to express our thanks to you for the wonderful way you treat us. Um, you're aware that we were gone last weekend. We had a, uh, a memorial service that I was a part of, and um, that was not something we were expecting uh, to be away for this month. And then we'll be gone next Sunday on something we had planned to do. So thank you for your patience and um, willingness to allow us that time away. And for the many cards and gifts we have received from our church family during this season. Uh, we really, we hated to miss the Christmas party. Um, it was good. We heard good things come uh, about that. So, thank you. And we're so glad that you got to meet Pastor Eric and his family. You know, it really helps when you're praying about someone to be able to put a name with a face, doesn't it? So, thank you for, I know, the kind and generous way that you received uh, Pastor Eric and his family Last week. Well, I've been preaching this series through Advent called The Coming. This morning is infant. I remember when we found out Julie was pregnant with our first child, Kim. Uh, We'd waited five years to start a family, so Julie was really ready and I was still kind of getting ready. Um, I don't recall the ultrasound thing. Um, where they tell you what the sex of the baby is. In fact, I'm not sure they even did that back when our kids were born. 
Um, but we did begin a preparation process. Um, you know, we made a nursery, um, and there were baby showers and baby clothes and baby stuff, supplies and and all that. And because we didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl, there was, I'm sure, some pink and blue, some of each. We did, pardon? And yellow. I don't remember that, but... Probably a lot I don't remember. We did our best to to prepare for the birth of our daughter, Kim, even though we didn't know it would be our daughter, Kim. And what we weren't prepared for was the way she came. Um, Kim did a flip in the last week before she was born, and she came as a footling breech. And so instead of a natural birth that we'd planned on, Julie had to have a, a C-section. Uh, and so the birthing room experience we had prepaid was now only a down payment on a much more complicated and uh, unexpected birth process. But in the end, we had our girl. Funny, isn't it, how we can prepare for the birth, but you can't really prepare for parenthood. We all come into that business as rookies. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> you, sh- you should have seen us the first time Kim spiked a fever. I mean, my wife's a nurse. We should have been cool about it, but we weren't. You know, it happened in the middle of the night. Things like that always happen in the middle of the night or on weekends, right? So we were in a panic. We were sure if we didn't get her fever down right away that she would suffer some kind of permanent damage. And again, this happened in the middle of the night. We were stressed about what to do. We were kind of sniping at each other. Um, We finally decided to put her in a tepid water bath to lower her temperature. And you should have heard her when we did that. (laughs) She did not appreciate it one bit. Well, we, later we took her to the doctor and he told us that she would have had to have had a fever of 105 degrees plus for a week to even think about doing any damage. Well, it can be a real learning curve for new parents, can't it? Now, I'm not sure how family planning worked in biblical times, but I wouldn't be surprised if once a couple was married... I mean stage, well actually there were three stages to the Jewish marriage thing. There was the engagement and the betrothal and then the third stage where, as it says today in the scripture that was read to us, Joseph took Mary home to be his wife. So they were engaged, that lasts for a while. There was the betrothal where in in Jewish marriage custom, they were legally married, but they weren't living together as man and wife yet. Um, so, once they entered the third stage where they came together, um, you know, I don't know how soon they generally started a family, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was, if it was fairly soon because the man tended to be often somewhat older than the young woman, uh, generally 30 years of age by the time he married. And so Joseph might have been expecting to be a father once he and Mary had been married, living together as a married couple for a while, but I don't think he was prepared to be a father as soon as he was a father. 
So let's look into this story that Dean shared with us today. First of all, Joseph is promised a son. Mary's pregnant. The child is not Joseph's. He knows that. And, and again, we're not given a lot of insight into what took place once it was known that Mary was with child. We're not, we don't know anything about the conversations that took place. Um, can you, can you see Mary asking God, uh, you know, he's, the angel has come and said, you're going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. She's pregnant now. How do I tell Joseph? Can you imagine the dilemma that she faced? And maybe God answering, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Joseph, on the other hand, might have been thinking, well, there's only one possible explanation for this. So in order not to cause Mary public humiliation, I'm going to divorce her discreetly. It must have been a, a pretty stressful and heartbreaking time for Joseph. For all he knows, he's been betrayed by the girl he loves and he must end the relationship. But remember God's, in, our, in my mind, God's saying to Mary, don't worry, I'll take care of this. Well, he did. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream. I think it's interesting. Mary had an awake encounter. Joseph has an asleep encounter. Don't read anything about men and women into that, okay? I'm not sure why the difference, but I do know that it wasn't the first time God had spoken to someone very clearly through a dream. Perhaps God approaches us in the way that we're most likely to listen. So the, so the, the, the angel comes to Joseph and, and speaks to Joseph in this dream, and the angel has information, explanation, and instruction for Joseph. First of all, the information. Mary will bear a son. Okay, it's, the baby's going to be a boy. Explanation. Mary's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. It's not another man, in other words. Instruction. Take her home to be your wife. Stage three of the marriage process. You're now to take her home. You're to be together. It's okay. What's happened to her is not the result of infidelity. And this baby needs a man in his life. You're that man. And, by way of instruction, you are to name the baby Jesus. More about that in a moment. Now, I'm, I'm not sure that what the angel told Joseph erased all the concerns he might have had. There was still that thing of, about what other people in the community might have been thinking. <laughs> And by the way, what about his relationship with Mary? It seems because of what he had been planning to do, remember, planning to divorce her quietly or discreetly, that he had not believed Mary when she told him how she had become pregnant. 
Oh, sure, by the Holy Spirit. Can you see that? Now that he knows the truth, he's got to go back to her and make things right. And I wasn't planning on being a dad this soon, especially under these circumstances. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Can you see Joseph thinking that? And how does a mere mortal raise the Son of God? I remember in running cross-country, you know, in the last, there was a part where the coach would say, boy, it looked like you had a piano on your back. <laughs> I, I can see that just Joseph thinking, I just had a piano put on my back. What a responsibility. Christian performing artist Michael Card wrote and performed a song a number of years ago. It's interesting we sang Mary's song this morning. Well, Michael Card... I wrote and performed this song a number of years ago that gives us insight into what Joseph may have been thinking after getting this assignment from God. Now this takes place after the birth. And in the song, Joseph is holding Jesus in his arms. It's entitled Joseph's Song. And part of it goes like this. How could this baby in my arms, sleeping now so peacefully, the Son of God, the angel said, how could it be? Lord, I know he's not my own, not of my flesh, not of my bones. Still, Father, let this baby be the Son of my love. Father, show me where I fit into this plan of yours. How can a man... Be father to the Son of God. Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? Can you see those thoughts going, going through Joseph's mind? You know, sometimes a difficult situation is something that God is working through to mold you into exactly what God wants you to become. James writes in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. Believe me, this was a chance in Joseph's life for him to grow. Talk about depending on God. That's where he was. And then we know that Joseph is promised a son. And we know too in this passage of Scripture that the world is promised God's son. This is more than just a baby boy. This is God's son. The Son will be named Jesus, which means God saves. Now, that would have made sense to Joseph and any Jew because that is what they would have expected the Messiah to do. Save them. Right? 
But then Joseph is told what kind of saving Jesus would do. (laughs) The angel said, he will save his people from their sins. Maybe not what Joseph or most Jews would have been expecting to hear. They were living under the thumb of Roman oppression. Their idea of the Messiah saving them was to come in on a white charger with a sword in hand and run the Romans back to Rome. Right? He will save His people from their sins. Unless one understood the meaning of the prophecy concerning the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 53, they would not be expecting or maybe even wanting saving from their sins. They were wanting another kind of saving. Frankly, many people still do. They're not interested in a God who saves them from their sins. They want a God who bails them out of bad situations. They want a God who delivers them from their enemies. They want a God who gets me out of the messes and troubles that I get myself into. But let's look at the heart of that. It's usually a sin problem anyway, isn't it? And the Son will be God with us. The Son will be God with us. Isaiah 7.14 Therefore the Lord will Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, a prophecy here, and will call Him Emmanuel. You know, that prophecy was given to Ahaz, king of Judah, when threatened by the combined forces of Aram and Israel. Ahaz and the people were in a panic, but God sends the prophet Isaiah to tell him what his enemies have planned against him will never happen. God's going to intervene. God will prevent it. Ahaz is told to ask for a sign to confirm that what he has been told will happen. And he refuses. And Isaiah pronounces then this prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah. In fact, in this passage of Scripture, it says, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. But that word you is not just for Ahaz. That word you is plural. It's for everybody. The Lord Himself will give you a sign. So, This sign is not for Ahaz, but for all the people. And in the Isaiah prophecy, we are told that the Son will be called Emmanuel. The meaning of which would be understood by the Jewish people to whom this prophecy was given. But in our text, the name is explained. Meaning, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Possibly because the gospel would now be spread to a Gentile world. And the meaning of the name Emmanuel would not be immediately apparent to Gentiles. We need to know 
that this Jesus, the Messiah, is God with us. And he will save his people. Not just Israel, but humanity. In fact, John 3.16 makes that pretty clear, doesn't it? For God so loved Israel that He sent... No. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came for all mankind. That's us. You know, very often... In our system of government, we will elect politicians who run for office because they make promises to us regarding things they will do once in offices, once in office. Sometimes they follow through. Sometimes they do not. God promised to save the world through a Messiah. Way back in Genesis 3.15, we see God speaking of what He will do, where He said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking of Satan, and between your offspring and hers. He... He will crush your head. Or speak, Satan is the one whose head will be crushed. He is Jesus. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What's that mean? It's the death that he suffered on Calvary. The great thing about Jesus is you couldn't keep him dead. God makes promises clear back in the beginning of Scripture and he keeps them. Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise to bring salvation to a lost and broken humanity. And so, Joseph named the son. Joseph named the son. Joseph followed the Lord's commands. I think that may be one of the major reasons why God chose Joseph. You know, sometimes I think we have looked at this holy couple and basically we say, well, it's about Mary. Listen, God was pretty concerned about the man that would raise his son. He chose a couple. And I think one of the major reasons God chose Joseph was because he knew Joseph was a man that would obey him. By the way, you don't see any argument here, do you? Well, God, you know, I, I know you've told me that what's in her is of the Holy Spirit, but people are still going to think it's me or some other guy. And, you know, I really, I don't know if I can live with it. No. When God said, take Mary home as your wife, that's what Joseph did. He followed the Lord's commands. He knew Joseph would listen, and, he, and when he heard, he would obey. And so he did. He took Mary home to be his wife. The final stage of the Jewish marriage tradition. See, they had not been living together as man and wife up to this point. And to do this, 
was a willingness on Joseph's part to accept the raised eyebrows and the gossip and the suspicion that Mary's pregnancy might have been his doing. And it tells us that he took Mary home to be his wife, but he had no union with her until after Jesus was born. Joseph was mindful that what was conceived in Mary was of the Holy Spirit. This was the work of God, a holy work, and he honored that. And so he takes Mary home to be his wife. We know they make the journey to Bethlehem. And Mary gives birth to a son there in a stable. Jesus arrived to complete the promise. The promise that God had made to his people for hundreds, even thousands of years previously. And in 1 John 4, verse 14, we read these words. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. God fulfilled His promise. And Joseph, in obedience to God, named Him Jesus. That's what the angel told him to do in the dream. Now, he could have said, I think I'll name him Joe Jr. Or, my dad's name was Jacob, maybe I should name him that. Or, Matthan, that was my grandfather's name. Or, Eleazar, that was my great-grandfather. Or, I might even name him David because, hey, after all, I'm a descendant of the great king. But Joseph did as God instructed And there was great significance and meaning to one's name in that culture, and certainly no more so than in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we know, is the Greek form. The Hebrew name is Yeshua. And it means God saves or God is our salvation. Jesus' name encompassed his mission. Amen? Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, read this way. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And Joseph, in obedience, had the privilege and the responsibility of raising the Son of God. But to do that, he had to be obedient every step along the way. So the question today is not merely, do we believe in the birth of a son to Joseph and Mary? Instead, we need to ask ourselves, do we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that He is the risen and returning Son of God? And can I anticipate Jesus' return with joy 
because he is my salvation. Won't you welcome the one who has saved you? Can I anticipate Jesus' return, his second advent with joy, because he is my salvation? Pray with me. Father, we thank you that Jesus still saves. We thank you that the blood of Jesus has not lost its power. We re- we, we're reminded again today that you have said we, in the scripture, we are not to remember Jesus' birth. We were commanded to remember his death and what he did in dying for us that brings us redemption. And we are to anticipate as well his return, the second advent. And we can anticipate and look forward to that return with joy and anticipation because Jesus is salvation. He is our salvation. And Father, my prayer this morning is that if there is anyone here today who cannot anticipate anticipate Jesus coming again with joy, but that is a fearful thought to them. They don't know what His return will mean for them, that they would choose today to make Jesus, God saves, God is salvation, that they would choose to make Jesus their Savior, to invite Him in, confess that they are sinners and to believe that the blood of Jesus cleanses them from all sin. And that for the first time they would truly know the Christ of Christmas. What a joyful thing. There could be no better gift in someone's life than to know Jesus as personal Savior. And my challenge, Father, today for me and for us is that when opportunity arises for us to share that good news with others, we would do so willingly and unwaveringly. We would be obedient to the voice of your Spirit just as Joseph was. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.